Well, hey, Redeemer City Church and some of our friends online that will be joining us. Uh, Mitch and Carl here and coming to you from Redeemer City Church, keeping our social distancing. We are a solid six feet away from each other, uh, at least until the shutdown, right? But uh, we're excited to be joining you by technology uh, to talk about the plagues a little bit. But Carl, you want to say hi to the people? Hello, people. Yeah, uh, that's what's cool. You know, uh, again, neat how we planned Exodus, I don't know, three months ago? At least. Forever. Uh, It was kind of a neat idea and kind of building to, you know, Passover and Easter on the same weekend again this year. And so we kind of wanted to play into that. We're going to have quite an Easter, it seems. We'll see. But, um, you know, and then this this past Sunday and this week, really these two weeks were on the plagues. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, you can't, you can't, you know, create that kind of stuff, you know, and um, we're amidst a plague ourselves. And so I, I love the, the decision Mitch made to like, hey, let's give a little time to this midweek. And so that's kind of what this is on this Wednesday to kind of dive into the plagues because they're not as random as we might think. Like mm-hmm. we, we read the story, we know, okay, we, we know there's 10 of them, but each one is significant. Like why right. gnats, why frogs, and then boils yeah. and, and, um, and then Mitch and I were, were joking. It's like, hey, this is a great idea um, because not everyone, you know, is, is into all of the, <laughs> you know, the Old Testament like intricacies <laughs> as, you know, us weirdo uh, pseudo wannabe theologians. Mitch is a legit theologian. <laughs> I just like stories and, and I used to love frogs when I was a kid. My mom will get that. Uh-huh. And my brother too soon, but um, yeah, it's just kind of uh, this was a great idea, and so we're going to walk through uh, the text on these plagues, and then that'll that'll really set us up for this next Sunday yeah. um, as well. So, yeah, man, let's do it. Right. So, just to give a little bit of scenario here to what we're doing is in the plagues, God is striking the Egyptian people, mm-hmm. and and really Pharaoh, and really. It's the result of Pharaoh's choices. And so um, it goes to these ten plagues. The the way he chooses, the way God chooses to work is through these plagues. And and what's pretty interesting about it is the first nine of these are arranged in groups of three. And so um, they omit some some details that the writer Moses is just kind of assuming that we're going to pick up on um, and fill in the gaps with. Uh, in the general pattern. Um, so the first disaster in each group is is used. So um, let's see, what's the math on that? The uh, first, fourth, and seventh plague are all a warning to Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. And then on the second one, uh, the second group there, uh, where am I at here? I can cut this out. Oh, and then so the last disaster then doesn't even have a warning. It just happens. So uh, you, if you want to read through that, you, you can. But the trajectory of each group of plagues, and really the whole group of plagues, is really about this, is that God is really patient, mm-hmm. as we all know. Amen. Uh, he's really gracious. And you'll even see that in like certain ones of the plagues here, yeah. where God gives him a chance. But also we learn that God's patience will run out. Yeah. And that's, that can be a powerful thing. Well, and that's something, again, this is a great old story. I mean, we're talking Moses. This is, this is like 3,500 years ago, right? But um, it's applicable to us today. Like God 
what is he, you know, you, warning, that sounds ominous, but at times there are warnings. Like, what, But what mm-hmm. is God saying? Like, he's moving. He's speaking. He's, he's creating. He's desiring to do something in your life, my life, our life, in our world today. I mean, it's, it's on full display. And so for us, like, discern what is that. And then it's as simple as, will I obey or not? And so, mm-hmm. you know, plagues are, they're, they're, they're like, whoa, this is like, talk about God getting our attention, or and is that what He's doing here? And and you know I, I can't speak on all that. All, all I can say is He is always trying to get our attention. Yeah. He's always trying to get my attention. And will I obey? Will I trust Him? Um, and will I heed the word that He's given to me? Do I trust that He's good? That He has my best interests in mind? Right. If so, then then. Not that it's always easy, but I can obey. And so I think that's a good word as we get into these for yeah. each of us. As you're listening, um, what is God speaking to you? Are you listening to him? And then are you obeying what he's saying? Right. Because I think one of the things that jumps out to me, even like as you think about the plagues as a big hole, is a lot of times we think about God's love as um, only things that feel good. But... Any of us that have had children know that like real love, like with your kids, and if God's our father and a good father, um, aren't always about him doing whatever we want. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really tough disconnect for a lot of people with the God of the Bible, the one true God, even in our culture. You know, as as you're interacting with people um, on this plague that we're experiencing with, with coronavirus even, it's like... If God's able, why doesn't he get rid of it? Yeah. And, and I think just altogether, God is different. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's working so much higher than us. And so what really comes out in that then in, in Exodus is that these plagues demonstrate that the Lord and not Pharaoh mm-hmm. is sovereign over Egypt. And they constitute judgment on the Egyptians for refusing to submit to God's demands. And and again, like we could go to each one of these and be like, well, there's some natural issues going on here. And maybe they just like the perfect storm, you know, made it. It's kind of like in Joshua when the sun stands still. It's like, well, what could cosmically happen? (laughs) Um, Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) It's a miracle. And so I think it's really important for us to, to think about. Um, the historical credibility of this in the fact that there isn't anything natural about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, applying it to us is, you know, again, it's easy to look at, oh, Pharaoh, right? And, and Egypt and so long ago, but okay, Pharaoh, and, and we've explained through this series so far, he's the most powerful person in the most powerful nation mm-hmm. on earth. They had the most advanced everything, including medicine. And we're going to be introduced here in a second to these you know, astrologers and sorcerers and magicians, really illusionists. Yeah. But Pharaoh would not submit. And so no matter, you become president of the United States or wherever you think is the most powerful person in the world or whatever, the Pope even, you're always under someone. <laughs> We're yeah. always under God. And so for us, we are not sovereign. I can't, Romans 7, right? We talk this all the time. I can't yep. control myself. Not to mention the world or anyone or any circumstances. And so Pharaoh needed to learn that lesson. But you know what? Carl needs to learn, learn that lesson, and, and, and we all do. And so that's a big part of this uh, as well. No, none of us are sovereign. No ideology is sovereign. No, no Twitter bot. None of that is, mm-hmm. has a full grasp on what's even happening. Um, but God does, and trust in that. Yeah. So when you, when you dive into it, what, what happens is 
God goes to Moses and says, okay, now's the time. And in Exodus chapter 7 and verse uh, 16, God gives Moses this direction. He says, you shall say to him, Pharaoh, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you saying, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness, which there's a whole sermon. Yeah. Um, but so far you have not obeyed. And so, again, like it's really easy to jump to why is God so mean when in reality, I mean, to this point, Pharaoh's had multiple chances to listen and obey. And I think that there's play there, like even in my own life and certainly in yours, if you're watching just that, like, are are we going to listen to God? I mean, it's what we talked about Sunday and what we're really going to unpack here in the plagues is all, any one of these things <clears throat> would have stopped immediately mm-hmm. if Pharaoh had chose yeah. to listen yeah. and obey. And, and I, I can't help but wonder, you know, Scripture says that the if you are God's child, he loves you. And if he loves you, he will correct you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just not fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, very much. No, that's good. I love that. Like it, we have, oh, the ten plagues. It'd be the plague, right? Right. <laughs> the the blood and the Nile, and then Pharaoh said, "Okay, that's wild. Um, you guys, even if it was just you guys, just get away from me," which eventually happens. Like, <laughs> yeah. okay, enough of this. Just go, yep. go, go. Yep. And then, of course, you know, we have the Red Sea uh, escapade, which is pretty exciting. But totally, that's a good point. And so our lives too, right? I mean, it's like submit. Like, I like to say, do you want to do it the hard way or the harder way, right? And so you want the hard discipline or the harder discipline. Good. And, you know, I'm obstinate. I'm a, I'm a sheep. Like, we're, we're sheep, too. Our elders, yeah. we're sheep. We're just dumb sheep. And uh, we take our lickings on our own, our own doing, really. Mm-hmm. So really, as we move in here, what you're going to see is uh, Moses and Aaron are going to deliver the news on each plague. And then Pharaoh has these wise men, these sorcerers, these magicians, depending on your translation of scripture, um, that, that are going to basically be a copycat. They're going to take whatever Moses and Aaron say and do, and they're going to try to reenact it to prove that uh, they're just as powerful as this so-called God of the Hebrews. And what's, what's pretty amazing about this is true power is the one who can turn the plague on mm. and turn the plague off. The one who actually holds the ability to judge rightly. Yeah. And what we see in these man-made things that's powered by the devil, frankly, mm. is that he, his power is limited mm. to what is physical here. Because mm. rather than cut the plague off, he doesn't cut, they don't cut the plagues off. They redo them, yeah. making it worse for people. <laughs> And so, um, just there, there's a lot under that, yeah. that that I think we'll see as we go. Any thoughts before we dive in? No, I just think that's hilarious. Like, um, we have all these frogs. Let's make more frogs come. <laughs> like, that, it's just, again, but that's, it's what we do, right? Like, we dig our way out or we try to even explain things. Yep. And, you know, frankly, I know for me, I make it worse usually. So, yeah, that's right. good. Yeah, let's, let's hit through them. A lot of them. A lot of the, the point is the same, but it's pretty neat. Why don't you explain right. you know, the sections here, and uh, we'll, we'll blow through these. Right, and so I'll, I'll work through these. Carl will jump in as, as he sees some stuff. So um, the, the first plague that comes, the first really judgment, 
is that the water in Egypt is turned into blood. And so what, what's pretty amazing, if you just dig a little bit under in history, is that th- this wasn't just some random thing. God immediately goes to the thing that is the greatest economical resource in the country of, of, of Egypt. And so, so what happens is Egypt, Egyptians in that time period would sing hymns or songs to the Nile River for blessing as it was their country's main economic resource. Because what would happen is um, there was a god they called Hopi or Happy or whatever you want to call it. Um, and they would pray to this god of the Nile and they would pray that it would flood. Mm-hmm. Not like worldwide flood, yeah. but like that it would overflow its banks. And this thing called silt would go into their farmlands and make their soil fertile. And so th- they're therefore providing for them for the next season. Yep. And so um, God goes and attacks yes. that false god. Yes. Now I'm saying the reality is that's just the, the science of the Nile Delta that God created. Mm-hmm. So it's like we can pray for it to happen. But you know what? Just like there's, well, in Florida it's summer and, I don't know, spring is what it feels <laughs> like, you know, but like, it's just, it's just the seasons. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you call it what you want. It's, it's the, how God created the order. So, yeah. And, uh, but the economic thing I think is another relevant, that's like the hot topic here. Like what's yeah. the balance of let's, let's save as many lives as we can, every life if we can versus there's going to be some things collapsing here, yeah. but you know, the economy is not as important as people, which is not as important as what is God doing and what is right. God doing today? And that's really what we're getting at. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that, that's the whole thing, right? Is like th- those are the questions that I think the church is afraid to talk about a lot of times mm-hmm. because cause here's the reality. I don't know exactly what God's trying to do, but I yeah. do know that one of the things that I think he's speaking to us in this culture is that we've been way too attached mm-hmm. to our stuff. And I'm preaching to myself like I like all my stuff a lot. And and that's wrong yeah. a lot of times. Sure. You know, I, I think if we can move it to the place where we're using it as a tool for God's kingdom, that that's one thing. Yep. But I think all of us, when we when we start to think about what it looks like to accumulate the whole world but lose our soul. You know, like Jesus said, yeah, heard those, that are, those are tough things to, yeah. to, to grasp. And it's like, what if I lose everything in this? Yeah. Th- that's a tough question. Yeah. I mean, Job. Job did. Yeah. Lost everything except his wife. And um, he had a few friends and still worshiped the Lord. So, yeah, I think there's something to, uh, and we, we see it in the, in the New Testament church. And, and we see it in the persecuted church today. That opposition is is right breeding ground. The wilderness, literally, which is what this is, is right breeding ground to rely on God because right. we have to. We can't rely on our own literal smoke and mirrors at a lot of right. churches. Right. And uh, you know, this none of this stuff means anything. So yeah. yeah, I think it's good. Yeah. So so that that water turning into blood was was a really big deal because as though as that normal economic resource began to overflow its banks, it begins to do that with blood. And God just attacks this false god that that they're praying to, thinking that it's going to deliver on something uh, that that it can't. And so uh, then number two is frogs. Uh, Frogs were a pretty big deal in Egyptian culture. There was uh, a frog that was the representation of the Egyptian goddess um, Hecht, who symbolized resurrection and fertility. Obviously, God goes straight after that. 
that there there's only one God of resurrection, mm. and it's the Lord. Yeah. It's Yahweh. And um, he, he just attacks that. I mean, surely there are things that you and I uh, look to yeah. for salvation. Uh, really, the way I think about it is self-salvation projects, you know, mm. whether we try to find significance in our kids and then they don't deliver and mm-hmm. it makes us frustrated or our spouse, you know, and then our marriage falls apart or, you know, I mean, there's any number of things, our church even, yeah. you know, instead of gathering as the body of Christ, you know, we're looking to the church to fulfill something that, that God only can fill. Mm-hmm. Like we're just pointing you to that. Yeah. Um, and any number of things um, on that with the frogs. But then it goes to gnats. Um, the the gnats come and really it's just it's crazy they they worshipped a goddess of love um, called Hathor and a goddess of the sky called Nut which is really really funny but at the same time is what are you not thinking about in love if you're covered in gnats you're not thinking about making love <laughs> I'm just saying that but here here's a whole other thing that that is really pretty interesting about that is the Egyptian priests in that time mm. would go through a ritual cleansing. They would go through a ritual washing of their body and they would just get all the impurities off and then they would go worship their gods. And one of the things about gnats is you can't see them. And so if you're covered in gnats and you wash and then there's more gnats, mm. they literally could never go and do their religious mm-hmm. rituals mm-hmm. Uh, because of these gnats, because of these pests. And isn't that something for us, right? Like, what what are the religious yeah. rituals that we do? I mean, maybe it's even that we get to have a big gathering. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, Scripture's clear, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Yeah. But it doesn't say that it has to be huge. No. Nope. I mean, I think we would like it to be. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes those things even become idols in the church. Well, and, you know, the gnats can be anything that bogs us down, right? I mean, Scripture says we can't even come and present an offering to God yeah. if we have enmity or strife with a brother or sister in the Lord. Um, you know, I think of, you know, easier for a rich man to go through, or a camel go through, I have a needle, and a rich man to go to heaven. So the gnats are, are great. I think we can almost feel it like, oh, I, mm-hmm. I've got, I'm covered in gnats. Yeah. In myself. And, and then, you know, I can't get them off. I get them off and they're right back. Or, you know, you think of the, the demon possessed man who, who cleans out the demon and, and, and it's like, well, unless you fill it with the Holy Spirit, mm. uh, with God, it's just it's going to come back with seven friends and it's going to be worse. So, yeah, that's good. Uh, number four, flies is pretty similar. Flies were considered in that culture a manifestation of the God named Yudachit. Yudachit. I can't speak it, but, um, you know, God sends a swarm of flies to uproot this belief in this good God of the flies, right? And like flies, flies. Are, flies are nasty, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, God just continues to like press in on on these things. And, and then it begins to get a little more serious, yep. right? So in number five, um, all the livestock die. And the reason that was so important is because some of these other gods were like, it almost feels like they're silly. Like, yeah, oh, I'm going to yeah, pray to the God of yeah. the Nile. I'm going to pray to, yeah, yeah. you know, it just sounds like they were, you know, superstitious maybe. But um, with livestock, um, Apis was the sacred bull that belonged to the false god Ptah. And livestock was literally worshipped and was critical to the Egyptian people. Uh, it, it, was, it was a real god. And so Heliopis, Heliopis, 
venerated the bull Menevis. Yep. And so all of that is just fancy to say, um, you know, one of their gods, Hathor, was represented by a cow. Yep. And so they literally worshipped the livestock in their culture. And, and it wasn't like superstition. Like they actually believed that they were the manifestations of these gods. Yep. And so. Well, and again, and, and the economy is part of that too. I mean, livestock. Yep. Um, but, you know, what do we hold sacred? You know, sacred cow, it's a thing, India and, and yep. with Egypt here. And, and yeah, we talk about it all yeah, the time. Yeah, and, and, and we use that metaphor in our own lives, our own organizations. Like, what's the sacred cow? And, and usually it's, it's a negative because it's, it's, it's something we're holding in the wrong place, mm-hmm. as if the cow was more special than any other animals or that thing that I need, the economy, the stock market, uh, my own health. You know, I mean, it causes all of this to come into question. That's the beauty of a time like this is mm. let's lay it all out on the table and put everything in its right place in its right order under God uh, himself. And so, yeah, I mean, there's things in this world that we hold sacred that we, we sh- probably shouldn't. I'll yeah. just go ahead and say we shouldn't. Yeah. But then also, okay, if I put that down, what am I taking up? And obviously there's only one who's worthy of our worship and, and, and that is truly sacred and that's, that's Christ. Yeah, and so as God God moves into these more serious things, and and it's he's parenting, right? Yeah. I mean, he just the the consequences are slowly getting worse, and these, you know, um, again when it comes to number six, the boils. This is this is the second round of three, mm-hmm. and so um, God's going to come again, and he's going to warn Pharaoh, like, hey, listen, like this is your opportunity to repent. And obey, and and of course we know from the story that that he doesn't. And so, number six is boils, and it's it's the first time that human health yep. is targeted. So, five things happen with greater intensity, mm-hmm. uh, but this is the first one where the actual human health. I mean, some of those other things like gnats and flies, they're annoying, mm-hmm. but it's not afflicting your actual health. And so, as Pharaoh would not listen, the stakes get raised, and here's what I think is powerful: is his decisions are affecting millions of people mm-hmm. and and i just think that a godless leader is always bad yep. a godless leader is always bad and that's a whole conversation for us right in, in our culture is like you know when it comes to politics in this land like who who do you look to <laughs> you know because romans tells us like if, if you're able yep. like if it if it's not anti-scripture or anti-god or anti-christ like you should submit to the governing authorities because god's put them in place and and what we do learn from pharaoh is even when they're bad even when they're godless we learn this with with um joseph is you know even if those leaders are godless god's still sovereign god's still in control but uh there is a role that the church plays you know as we see with moses and aaron of we speak truth to power Mm -hmm. and so that, that that's something for all of us to pray about, consider. It's not just pastors. I think we we are looking at that in ways that we can engage with our local government. We've met with our city councilmen um, as as this progresses. You know, what does it look like to to talk to our mayor and and you just go up the chain all the way to the president and sure. you're asking, you know, what where do we speak truth to power and you know what does that look like for me personally? Yeah, and. Um you know, with that, you know, we have all the examples of Scripture. And, and mm-hmm. you're talking about, oh, bad pharaohs and, and you know, presidents or whatever. Um, look at most of the kings of Israel and Judah. Most of them were bad guys. 
Uh, even the first one, Saul, now he started, he had the Lord's anointing, but mm. then it was about him, right? And so we look to leaders in times of crisis to like, okay, what do we do? Like the house is on fire, like save us. And, and there's a gifting there for an immediate thing, but when we're looking for someone to be wise and who is really seeking greater wisdom, um, like James chapter 1 mm. speaks about, that's, that's really what's needed here. And so, you know, and that's for us. Okay, you're a leader of someone. Yeah. No matter what you do, who you are, even in this quarantine thing, like, what are you, you know, if you're on social media, let's share good godly things. If you're, if you're at your home, lead your family, your spouse, your kids, point to Christ and, and trust in him. But, you know, the other thing about, about this with the, um, the, where the human health is targeted is I think this call, call, calls to the carpet the prosperity gospel mm-hmm. of, hey, like your best life now. Or, I mean, I, I see it all the time. It's going to be interesting. I, and I really pray that this changes. If you're listening and you can be honest, at least with yourself, I'm a prosperity gospel kind of person, or that's what I follow, or that's what I preach. Like, cool, have your own moment. You can DM me if you want me to. If you're like, is that me? It is. Um, <laughs> but, like, stop saying, like, how many times are we here? Hey, 2020 is going to be your year. This is going to be your best year yet. This is going to be the best Sunday ever. I heard that before, like the Irma, uh, mm-hmm. a hurricane here. Oh, we couldn't have service. Or this is going to be the best Easter yet. We may not be able to gather. Like It's like stop with those false promises. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of what God's getting at here is we promise this perfect life. Oh, if you just follow God, if you just listen, everything will be perfect. But whose definition of perfect? Mm-hmm. Not a worldly definition of it. Yeah, we'll be safe and secure spiritually. But I just I, we hear so much of that, and they're lies. They are, they are, we are... Many, even pastors, are, are promising things that we have no power to promise. Absolutely. So I can't promise that everything's going to be great with coronavirus, not to mention that it's going to be great after it or the rest of 2020. Amen. It'll be great. You'll be secure in Christ. But I, I won't even pretend to promise anything more than that. Yeah, it very, could, it very well could not be good. Someone watching this could It already die. is. It already die. is not yeah. good. And, yeah. and I think the church does a yeah. huge disservice because Scripture's super clear. Like, in this world, you will have trouble. Will. Yeah. But the hope doesn't lie in this world, right? right? Like, the hope is that Jesus says, but I have overcome the world. And so our, our hope lies in the fact yeah. that God sits outside of it um, and is drawing us to himself. Love it. And so uh, then it goes to hail in number seven. Um, and this this is really the instance where God owns the plagues. I mean, literally in, uh, I think it's Exodus chapter 9. Yeah or so in verse 14 uh he refers to them as my plagues Hmm. and so we learn also we also learn here that uh up to this point pharaoh's been hardening his own heart and then god's patience runs out and and it literally says that god begins to harden pharaoh's heart and and here's the reality he's using pharaoh to accomplish his purposes and that's really what Joseph said in Genesis fifty twenty, like looking mm-hmm. at his brothers, like what you meant for evil, mm-hmm. God meant for good. Mm-hmm. And so here's the reality, like even in coronavirus, like it's evil. Mm-hmm. It, it's a result of the fall ultimately. Yep. You know, right now, could it be, you know, manufactured? Could it right, be could like, be, who knows? Right. It would be any number of things that yep. you're already attuned to by watching the news. <laughs> um, and I'm not here to comment on that. But... Um, Call me later. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> do, not, do not call do him. Do not call me. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the reality is, is these are all effects of the fact that yeah. we chose to go our own way as human yeah. beings. Yeah. And Pharaoh is, is now in the hand of God being used 
And, you know, what's really interesting, too, is they had an Egyptian deity named Geb who was worshipped as the god of the earth. And now God, the, the Lord, is just raining hail down on the yeah. earth, just destroying yeah. what they thought was sacred. And so there, there's some power there. And, and then number eight is locusts, just these swarms of locusts, which they would get anyway, by the way, mm. in that culture. They would get smaller swarms of locusts, and they were pests. And you know, not unlike, like, we get certain pests, so, like, mm -hmm. we call, like, true green, and they come treat yeah. our shrubs, <laughs> and, like, we don't get the pests anymore. Um, so, so that was true, but um, the question in, in Exodus 10.3 is, to Pharaoh is, how long will you refuse? Mm -hmm. How long will you refuse? I mean... How long will God speak to any of us so clearly about the things that we love or the sacred cows that we have? And how long will we refuse? I mean, for some of us, it's as simple as never gathering with the church. Mm. I mean, that's sin. Yeah. For others of us, it's, you know, it could be any number of things. I shouldn't go down that rabbit trail. Yeah. But, um, you know, God in his grace under the weight of these seven plagues, yeah. offers Pharaoh yet another opportunity to repent and obey. Yeah. And without a doubt, somebody watching, me, like, let's look at our life. Like, like we have an unprecedented opportunity to slow down and look at our yeah. life yep. and say, what's my sacred cow? What, what are the things that if, if God is looking at me, and he is, <laughs> saying, how long will you refuse? Yeah. Like, how long will it take for you to trust me yeah. that if you release that, I'll fill it, yeah. and it'll be better anyway? Thoughts on that? Yeah, and, and the, the next part, so in, in that verse 3, how long do you refuse to humble yourself? And so, mm. what? listen, uh, some of you are wired like me. Apologies to people in your life. Like, you know, quick response, quick action. It just kind of comes naturally to Carl the person. But when I'm able, like Mitch just said, to pause, like, I mean, listen, we're not able to not pause right now. Mm -hmm. And so take that time to really seek yourself, how you're doing, and, and be able to humble yourself before God, before others, and truly be a person that God can actually use. Someone who is not living for their own kingdom or building their own empire, but someone who's out serving others, uh, even amidst a plague. Yeah, and so, you know, that makes me think, you know, as you were saying that, Scripture, again, is super clear. It says, draw near to God, yep. and he'll draw near to you. Humble yourself before God, yep. and he will exalt you. That's right. And so, you know, most of these things are super clear. I mean, even for Pharaoh, like, look around, man. Yeah, right. Like, look around. <laughs> like, but, but here's the reality is, is at, at every step as the Lord is displaying his power over these gods, Pharaoh struggles to to let go of that yeah. because of his pride. Yeah. And, and that, that's true for every one of us. Like mm -hmm. we are all guilty of our pride getting in the way of things that we know to be true or mm -hmm. things that we can clearly see to be true. I mean, God is showing up physically um, in great power. And yeah. so, and then ahead. nine is, you know, darkness yep. and then into death, which uh, you want to just talk, you're going to hit that on Sunday. Yeah, and so we'll cover that in more depth on Sunday because that, that's really going to set us up for Palm Sunday and Easter. And uh, so I don't want to spend too much time on that or we'll lose all my luster for Sunday. But, you know, I, I think, you know, the big question as we kind of wrap, wrap this up is, you know, what are we learning about God mm. in this moment? What, what are we learning about his character? What are we learning about how he moves? Yeah. 
in the world. And like, I would encourage people to, and encourage you as you watch this, like to get on the phone with some people or do a Zoom call or do a Google Hangout and and talk about this stuff. Like even if you don't have great answers, like get get your Bible out like every day, like read your Bible, mm-hmm. like read these stories about how God was working yeah. because scripture says that God's the same yesterday, today and forever. And so his character isn't changing. So like he may not send locusts to your house, but he's still showing up in power. That's right. So um, any thoughts on that before we, before we, I think that's off? spot on. And uh, yeah, take this season to, to grow. I mean, that's, that's the, we're in a wilderness Hopefully it's only 40 days, not 40 years, yeah, yeah. but um, let's go ahead and, and be with the Lord and be with each other. It's the beauty of the 21st century. We can, we can be with each other still. Like I saw it was Tony Evans, who I, I'm a big Tony Evans fan, mm-hmm. but um, he said it's not, um, you know, we're not practicing social distancing um, or, or social, what is it? I just botched. I just told you. We're not ago. practicing social distancing. Yep. We're practicing physical distancing. Physical distancing. Thank you. So <laughs> we can be social. Wow, at my own point, yeah. I forgot <laughs> it. Thank you. This is why there's two of us. Um, and so that was good. Like, don't, don't distance yourself uh, emotionally, uh, spiritually, even relationally. Like, we, yeah. let's connect. And so, yeah, that's a good yeah. point. And, and talk about the scriptures with, with your city group. Yeah. Like get get yeah. connected to them. Um, Carl and I are available every day. Uh, shocking <laughs> <got time>. suddenly, <laughs> and uh, like we we would love to we would love yeah. to chat about this stuff with you and and walk with you and then pray with you. Mm. Um, you know, there's there's scripture all over the Bible that says if my yeah. people would just humble themselves mm. and pray, um, that God will show up. So, um, yeah. So let's do that now. And then, uh, we'll, we'll call it a day and we'll see it in our 21 days of prayer. Lot, lots to be excited about. Yeah. Um, doing 21 days of prayer every day with the elders. Uh, one of us is getting on and leading you in a, just a thought from the word. And I got a sneak peek at a few coming up pretty good. Uh, so stay tuned to that. It's not Carl or I either. So get real excited. So it'll be actually good. Um, yes. So we, we're doing that. Um, we're working through some other things on how, how we can, as a body, can come together and help those in need. Yeah. Um, so stay tuned for that. We're kind of working those details out. Um, and then what am I missing? Uh, we'll be gathering Sunday. online on Sundays, yeah. uh, thinking critically about what Easter is going to look like and, and all of those things. So uh, you might your version of Easter invite might be hosting a watch party on Facebook. Let's but, go. Um, yeah, there, there's ways for us to be the church. Yeah. And so reach out to your neighbors. Check on them. Uh, pray for them, let them know you're praying for them, um, and then reach out to your city group, reach out to us, your elders, and we would love to spend time with you uh, via social. So uh, we love you, and uh, let me pray for us, and we'll call it uh, a night. God, thanks for your goodness. Thank you for the chance just to chat about who you are and what you were doing in the world thousands of years ago um, and how it applies to us today. Uh, it's very relevant, and it, uh, it matters. And so we love you, we trust you, mm-hmm. we declare that you are Lord, and even in the midst of our own pandemic with coronavirus, we, we know that you're sovereign, we know that you are um, at work, and we, we trust that. Uh, and like the Father who stood before you with his Son, uh, we believe, but help our unbelief, mm-hmm. and uh, would you just fill in the gaps where we can't? Uh, Draw our vision up to you as you move in and transform us through this season uh, so that we can better serve our city and look at it with, with eyes that you have. We love you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen.
Thanks for joining. Yep. Thanks.